Down 14 nothing. Two minutes to go. It's something that you would put into a movie. It is. And it's something that had a movie finish for the London Beefeaters. It was wild. And here to help us understand how it took place is Dave Woody, sponsorship director and London Beefeaters board member. Dave, uh, you were able to be right up close to two championships this weekend. The Western Mustangs, Yates Cup victory, and the one we're going to talk about now, the London Beefeaters. All right, where do you want to begin? With two minutes left? <laughs> one was a little more dramatic than the other. Let's just say that. 29-0 or the wildest comeback London's seen in a while in the game of football. And, yeah, fantastic. And it's it's just a testament to the kids and the coaching staff that we've managed to put together this year. They have hung through crazy events, weird COVID stuff, fundraising issues. This guy had to leave the team for whatever reason – broken hands on what may be your quarterback who then turns into an all-star safety. And then we we're down 14, nothing. The defense has only allowed one touchdown on the day to one of the most potent offenses ever in the OFC. And they do not break. So it's now two minutes left. One fifty nine, actually, if I remember correctly, that's even better, right? And Windsor has to snap the ball to punt the ball back to the beef eaters. They'll try and shut us down. They've held us to nothing so far. So, you know, they're all feeling good. It's only a matter of time. Well, whoops. Nobody told their center. Over the head it goes. And one of the most athletic kickers, and as a former kicker myself, hats off, this kid is a very good kicker. But at the last minute, he reverted to Gary Yapremian scale of what not to do on a bad snap. And he he should have just kicked the ball through the end zone, taken the safety. We wouldn't be having this discussion. But he bent down to pick it up, tripped over his own feet, lost it into the end zone. Beef eaters fall on it, 14-7. Wow, I can't believe that just happened. We kick off, you know, we play it, and the coaches made the exact right decisions. They kick off deep. We hold them to and out. They pump the ball to us. We get the ball at the 53-yard line, 41-yard touchdown. Uh, from Clark McCallum, the all-time beefeater touchdown leader as a quarterback, to Spencer Foster into the end zone. How did he get that open? Oh, my goodness. Kick the convert, 14 up. There's 50 seconds left in the game. We kick off. They return it, and they're very solid on returns. We One of our guys goes down, makes a hit, ball comes loose, beefeaters fall on it. We get it down to the five-yard line with two seconds left, punt it out of the end zone, and we win 15-14. O-M-G. <laughs> You've seen a lot of football, Dave. You've played a lot of football. Anything come close? No. I One time I was involved with one of those kick-it-out-of-the-end-zone deals, but that was at halftime. You know, nothing so amazing as this. The only thing that comes close was a 51-yard field goal to tie on the last play of the game in the end of the season for the Laurier Rams back in high school. That's the only thing that comes close, but not to win the Ontario Football uh, Conference Championship. It was just an amazing comeback. 
And there's another element to this story that we're going to get to in just a few minutes, which is where is the next championship game going to be played? We're talking with Dave Woody, sponsorship director, London Beefeaters board member, as we go back over their championship victory over Windsor on the weekend, down 14 nothing with a minute 59 to go. Dave, if there's one rule that football fans will talk about, certainly in Canada, it's the Rouge rule saying, this is ridiculous. You realize a championship game? could be decided by somebody punting the ball through the end zone you got to we witness have, it how how is it to witness it are are you for the rule or oh, or are you for the rule with it you got to do something with a 20-yard end zone you know you can't just leave guys sat back there oh well okay that's it the play's over no make them do some work but and i don't mind it on punts i kind of on the missed field goal thing i don't like rewarding failure i don't like that but if you can pin somebody in after a punt, absolutely, you deserve a point. And it was funny trying uh, talking to to Rob and Jen Annan, our president, registrar, and and secretary. They who run this team, and they are amazing. They uh, trying to explain at the start of the year to two, our two. Uh, we've got two Americans on the team this year. Two kids from Connecticut. One is our the defensive player of the year, Jordan Fletcher, in the OFC. He's been amazing. But uh, explaining to them and Devin Smith, uh, who was the all-star safety that I talked to about earlier, explaining rouges to them. What the heck? You get a point? It, it was, you know, hold on. You go talk to the guy who used to be a kicker. He can tell you better. And it's like, so I've got defensive end Jordan Fletcher with me saying, you know, okay, Jordan, so listen, this is the reason we cover kicks. <laughs> so, it, it, you know, it took him a couple games to get his head around it. But, uh, you know, he was good after that. So, it's uh, yeah, it was exciting talk, talking to those guys about it and, and explain it. But everybody else, obviously, uh, on the team knows how that one works. Well, you look at the Detroit Lions. You can argue their best player is their punter, and he's the only guy on the team that technically cannot score at all. And yet, in Canadian football, now we've got a reason not only for punters to score, but you've got the ability to say he won us. A championship. And now there's even more to this story. Dave, take us to the next level of the story that involves where to play. Well, let me, I'm going to take you back in history just a tiny little bit. At the start of the season, we knew that Western uh, University and Alumni Field was being returfed and retracked. So we were, we traditionally played at what was the, the artist formerly known as TD Stadium. And you know, and we're happy to do that. The facility itself, you know, great press box. You've been there. You know, we've done games there ourselves. You know, all the facility for for um, the appropriate production of a game, all the, the elements are there. But we weren't able to play it. So we went away and did a little bit of research and got some costing to try and develop something at Citywide Field. And we came out with a solution, which we presented to the city that would have left us with two actual usable change rooms, which there aren't at Citywide, um, and a press box for film that could have been used for both of the fields and multiple other organizations would have the ability to get better film, which that's what sport revolves around now, is the ability to present themselves and promote themselves through, uh, through video as an athlete, as a team, as an organization. So we, we made this proposal, and it, all it was going to cost was $350,000. Costed 500 new bleachers that are raised, so anybody who needed access, they weren't staring at somebody's butt all game as they stood in front of them at field level. 
which is what we're up against now and, and for the season. So we played it citywide. We offered them this proposal of $350,000. They said, no, not, not going to happen. When we have the jewel, the, the state-of-the-art facility up at Western, it's going to be great, and we'll support you in your, in your use of that facility. That's why it was built. It was built as a community uh, as, a, as a, a community focal point for sports. So any big events that are going to come to town, we're going to play them up at Western. It's just going to be great. Okay, that's fine. So we've now we've we've won the game, and we made some feelers before the game before the final, and said, um, okay, uh, we'd like to book the field, and got straight up no. Uh, from and that from, was at Western. You couldn't book at Western. We couldn't book it. We can book citywide. We can play a national final in the middle of a field across the, across from Summerside Subdivision with absolutely no facilities but what you bring um, yourself. Or you could play at the Jewel uh, that is, and it is a, it's a great facility. The turf, brand new. It's fantastic. It'll be a great place to showcase a national final. But we've been met with no. Um, two reasons given. One was a health and safety issue which uh, about COVID and which I'll talk to you in a second. The other one was, well, as soon as Western should Western be fortunate enough to win the uh, Mitchell bowl this weekend, that they or UTEC, whichever one it is and uh, beat St. FX that they'll practice until Wednesday and leave. And then the next day, the technicians come in to start repairing and, and replacing the lights. Um, so then it would be unavailable for you on the Saturday. And neither of those reasons really hold water to me. All of our players in the CJFL, all the organization, all the coaching staff, all the, uh, all the board members are all double vaccinated. We had to be. That was mandated by our league. So the same with the fans, they would be under that same, uh, under the screening questions, and they have to have vaccination uh, records and all that kind of stuff to get in the game, just like Western does now for their, as they will be doing on Saturday for their, their uh, national semifinal against St. FX. So we've got that one covered. So the lights. If Western is done practicing there on Wednesday and then they fly out to the Vanier Cup in Laval, um, is there any need for those lights to be fixed the next day? Probably have a little time. You have a little time. They might have a little time until the next time they need them. Um, Can you hold off three days and, and let us on the field? And, and the weird thing is, there's a couple of weird things. Like the city, so far, when we approached them to say, um, did you put a little pressure on the folks? Maybe just, you know, remind them of the commitment for when that stadium was built, that it was to be usable by the community. Um, and we, we haven't had much traction there. Um, then we, when we went to, I talked to, uh, to some of the people in my role at, at Western football games and saying, Hey, are we going to be able to play up here? What's the story? And that's when we found out about the light thing. Um, it's like, you can't hold off for three days. Is that too much to ask? And so far we've had nobody come back with any want to help us. So we're planning, we're hopeful that, you know, common sense will prevail and the people in the city of London uh, we'll have the ability to see a national championship game in a stadium, in a facility that suits it, rather than something that suits um, watching my 10-year-old uh, run around on a Sunday afternoon and having fun. 
Well, you know. let's let's follow this because, like you say, there have been fundraising issues throughout the year. The team has not only persevered; the team's become the team that beat all odds in the last minute and fifty nine seconds, and now looking for a place to play. So, as of right now. There isn't a place to play because Citywide does not have proper change rooms and you haven't been given permission to use the now Western Alumni Stadium. That's where we sit. That's where we sit. We've done our end. <laughs> we brought the national championship game to London. Um, now London, give us a break. Now the, the I, I always call them the Flying Circellis. Bless them, John Paul and, uh, and Mike down in uh, at the University of Windsor have graciously offered us the university, the stadium at Windsor University to play the game. But we don't, we didn't build the London Beefeaters to go to Windsor and play there. As much as it'd be nice to go down and play in the team that we just beat and who, for the second time, can I say, as we are back-to-back OFC champions and both times going down to Windsor against all odds and coming away with a win. The first time we went down there and smacked them in the mouth and just beat them 28-20. This time, you know, we kind of snuck up behind them and, and, you know, strangled them at the end. But nonetheless, we've done our end. We're, we're a championship caliber team. We brought the Ontario championship to London. Um, let's have a, let's have a, a good place to play the game and showcase it and where we can stream it. And, and, you know, cause there's going to be people in Langley that are going to be wanting to see a game, with a reasonable, you know, streamed from a reasonable facility where rather than having two guys, hopefully with working from heights on a scissor lift uh, on a camera, that's not blowing in the wind. Uh, You know, it's very hard. Uh, All right. Well, Dave, let's, we'll stay on this story and we'll see what, what can happen in all of this. Thanks so much for telling both parts of it, the wild part and, and the challenge that exists now. Well, and I, I appreciate you shedding light on it, Mike. And, and, of course, we are still in heavy-duty mode for building the game into an event wherever we play. It's going to be a fun time. It's going to be a great time. And, of course, tickets will be available at LondonBeefeaters.org um, and sponsorship at LondonBeefeaters.org if you want to get involved. But, I, I, again, I thank you for, for shedding some light, and I'll keep you abreast as to how the discussions go so we, we know and the people of London can know where, where that, that national championship is going to happen. Please do. Dave, keep safe. You too. Thanks, Mike. That's Dave Woody, sponsorship director and London Beef Eaters board member as they look for a place to play. We'll stay on that story and see what happens because there is time, but there isn't time. You know what I mean?